really a dark joke. Again, I did not start it to do a business, right? The idea was completely just a group for me and my girlfriends to chat in a kind of self-deprecating, funny way about aging. The joke was, we're getting old, should we just kill ourselves? Like, <laughs> we just walk into the river. Get it over with. Put stones in our pockets and give up. Luckily, the community has taught me that, no, we don't need to do that. There are lots of other options. And in fact, it's actually really great getting to the other side of 50. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And now your hosts, Robert Erie Artboard and Stephanie O'Dell. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast. I am one of the co-founders, Robert Iriartboard, along with my partner, Jack Uhalde. And we also have our podcast contributor, Stephanie O'Dell, who has her own company and website called Celebrate the Gray, where she's updating the face of aging for the 50-plus woman. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks, Robert. Good to be here. All right. And this week, you interviewed Nina Collins. And why don't you tell us a little bit what people are going to hear on the podcast today? So Nina Collins has a really interesting following. Um, She started The Wolfer, which she started, gosh, back in 2013, I think she started about five years ago, eight years ago. But she started this small Facebook group with her friends. She's starting to go through menopause, perimenopause issues and thought she was going crazy. And um, she started this Facebook group called What Would Virginia Wolf Do? You know, funny name. It was a very dark name to call the group because I don't know if our listeners know, but Virginia Woolf committed suicide um, in her 50s, late 50s. But yeah, and, been and, through. And Virginia Woolf was an author. Of- a very famous author. Yep. Um, could have been menopause issues. Uh, women that have gone through menopause know that sometimes you feel like you're going crazy. So she started this small little group, private group with her friends just to talk about their symptoms and what was happening. And this small little group grew to 25,000 members on Facebook, led her to write a book called What Would Virginia Woolf Do? And the the Wolfers, as they like to call themselves, have in-person events and also has a podcast called Raging Gracefully. And she has just built this huge following for women and now has the Wolfer, which is a online community. It's not on Facebook anymore, but it's um, a paid online community. And she's amazing. She has this really interesting background. Very, um, She was in the publishing world for a long time. So a lot of the features are kind of author-driven or interesting people in the literary world. But she's super fascinating. So I got the opportunity to sit down and chat with her. And I think listeners are going to get a lot out of this because anyone that's starting that wants to start a business sometimes just has no idea where to start. And what I love about Nina's story is that she didn't really start this off as a business. She just no. she just wanted to build this this community. She wanted to make sure, like you said, she wasn't going crazy and realize yep. all these other women have the same issues. And then she got up to a twenty five, thirty thousand people on Facebook group, and that's when she you know it clicked and said, you know what. I think there's a little business we can do here. And she's still figuring out, you know, by the end of the podcast, you realize she's still trying to figure out this business model, but she's taking these steps to get to where she is now, which is great. Yeah. And she's let these opportunities kind of come her way and paid attention. I think we, we see this common thread with entrepreneurs 
that it may not be what you thought you were going to do. Like she didn't think she was going to build this Wolfer community, write a book and be a thought leader in the menopause conversation. But she has built this amazing community for women. And so it's kind of a good lesson to don't be so focused on what you think you're doing, but pay attention to the things that you're making happen without even realizing you're making them happen. Yeah, that's a great lesson. So let's check out the interview. Great. All right. Well, welcome to Brand 50 Podcast. I'm here with Nina Collins today. And Nina and I met through a mutual friend in Clubhouse, I think, was my first introduction to you. And then we reached out or I reached out to you and we started talking and your journey. And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm, I belong to What Would Virginia Woolf Do on Facebook. So Nina's story is really empowering. Brand 50 is all about helping midlife people figure out how to reinvent themselves and pivot. And you, you did a big pivot in your forties. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of background on you and let you fill in the gaps born in New York city and raised in Rockland County and stop me if I get any of this wrong, but graduated from Barnard in 1990 and you had a long career in book publishing. You were an agent and in your forties or in I don't know if you went, did you go and get your um, life coach certificate and your master's in narrative health first? And then in your forties kind of had this personal journey of menopause. Yeah, I did both of them. I, both of those degrees in my forties, I went back to school in my mid forties. And so centering a lot around women's transitions Mm -hmm. and, but then you had a major transition of your own in your forties with menopause. And it prompted you to kind of start a small group with your friends of a Facebook group. And yeah. it, it kind of took on a life of its own. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I, I just basically, so as you say, I had this career in book publishing and then in my forties, I decided to go back to school. I was kind of interested in studying end of life. My mom had died when I was young and it had been kind of always a preoccupation for me, like how she had dealt with her breast cancer. She had kept to the secret. And so I went and did this degree in something called narrative medicine, which is the study of how we tell our stories of illness and dying. And it was a master's program at Columbia. And while I was doing that, I got a life coaching certificate. I kind of had an idea that maybe I would become like a death doula or Mm -hmm. a doula, um, a coach in some sort of women's loss transition thing. And when I graduated from the program, I ended up getting a job for a couple of years at a big hospital in Brooklyn called Maimonides. And I got a job developing an empathy curriculum for residents, which was super interesting. Like working in a hospital, I'd always been entrepreneurial and worked for myself. And so I'd never worked in a big environment like that. And working with doctors, you know, it's just a great environment. It's a real learning environment. I worked with the palliative care department and and end of life. And around that time, I stopped sleeping well. I was like 46 and um, had never really known much about menopause. I knew it was something. In fact, it's funny. There's a study. There's an announcement that just came out in the last couple of days about this new drug that might postpone menopause by 15. Oh, interesting. It's a new biotech company. And I have to say, I was slightly looking forward to menopause because my mom had died young of breast cancer that she got when she was 37. And my understanding had always been like, I'd always been afraid of getting breast cancer and pre-menopausal breast cancer is often more deadly than post-menopausal breast cancer. And so in my mind, getting menopause meant I would be safer from breast cancer. 
aside from that, I'd really never given any thought to it. And suddenly I wasn't sleeping well and I couldn't figure out what it was. And my periods were getting spotty and I Googled and figured out that I was in perimenopause. And um, most of my friends are older than I am because I had kids really young. I had kids in my early 20s. So most of my friends are five or six or seven or eight years older than I am. So now I'm 51. Most of my friends are like your age at 58 or so. And, um, and I was surprised that no one had talked to me about perimenopause. Like I was suddenly having these symptoms and I was like, why did no one warn me that I'm going to get like back fat and more cheap <laughs> and night sweats and-, night sweats and like a whole plethora of, of symptoms. And so I started a Facebook group and I called it, what would Virginia Woolf do? And it was just a dark joke about aging. The well, idea I was going to was- ask where the name, you know, it is a very dark joke. You know, yeah. it took me as I was doing research for this interview, it took me down. Okay. I know Virginia Woolf. I know she's a writer. And I, I think I saw a movie that I knew she committed suicide, but then I was like, why the name? Like what? <laughs> it is really a dark joke. Again, I did not start it to do a business, right? The idea was completely just a group for me and my girlfriends to chat in a kind of self-deprecating, funny way about aging. All of my friends are feminists and most of them are either big readers or writers. Like I come from publishing. A lot of us are writers. And so the joke was, we're getting old. Should we just kill ourselves? Like, <laughs> we just walk into the river. Get it over with. Put stones in our pockets and give up. Luckily, the community has taught me that, no, we don't need to do that. There are lots of other options. And in fact, it's actually really great getting to the other side of 50. But that was the idea. It's like I was in my mid-40s and I was feeling kind of depressed and worried about irrelevancy and invisibility and would I ever work again and would I lose my sex appeal and would, you know, my kids leave home and never talk to me again. It was kind of a a general fear and wanting to think about what I wanted the second half of my life to look like. And so I created taking more control of it, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And it's really been an incredible experience. Basically it it hit a nerve in a way I never could have imagined. And suddenly women were joining the secret group right and left. I think I was one of them. Yeah. (laughs) And it grew to be this very irreverent, funny, smart girl place where we could all get advice and learn more about aging. We also learned through the community how little women were getting great menopause support from their doctors. So women started asking questions about hot flashes and vaginal atrophy and sex. And we really started learning so much from each other. Like I once was suffering a couple years into it. I had an episode that I thought maybe I was having a stroke and I posted and because I I'd gone to the emergency room and they told me they checked me in a bunch of different ways and said, I should go see a cardiologist. And in fact, I was having vertigo and mm. I posted a description of what was happening and the women diagnosed me. So, you know, we always say that obviously we're not doctors, but it's become a great resource place for women to get good medical advice. Cause there's a lot of lack of support for women. Right. In cause. Well, not there's in- shame and fear. There's this shame around it too. So no, people, women don't like to admit that they're, in menopause or it. So again, that's the normalization, normalizing it and making it okay to talk about it. We were at, I was at dinner the other night and we started talking about breast exams with my husband and the, my friend's husband. And they're like, Oh, we don't need to know this. And I'm like, yeah, you do need to know this. You need to understand what our world is like. 
Yeah. And it's pretty basic. And again, like we talk about Viagra, like there's subway yeah. ads for Viagra, right? And why is, why is women's health so shrouded in mystery? Um, there's no, I mean, it is starting to change. I have to say, I started the community in 2015 and I really do see a difference. Like today I was reading an article contemplating menopause policies in offices and work. Mm, yeah. And, and as I mentioned, there's this new biotech company starting up that's considering developing a drug that could delay menopause by 15 years. I'm not sure how I, I know. Feel. How do you feel about that? I don't, I mean, I have to say initially it kind of gives me the creeps. I feel like, sure. Would it be nice to feel physically younger? I suppose. I mean, certainly to eradicate hot flashes sounds like a great thing. I mean, I'm on HRT. I ended up going on hormone replacement. Okay. You did. I'm wondering, cause that's something I've avoided, but I'm curious. I'm I curious avoid- about it. And I'm kind of investigating. Yeah, I avoided it for a long time too, again, because of my mother's breast cancer. But ultimately, I was having such intense sleep disruption. Like I could not sleep at all. And that's also really not good for you. And there's increasingly evidence that HRT, if not done for too long, may be protective in terms of, um, you know, as we age, women develop a higher risk of heart disease and Alzheimer's two thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. Um, wow. I didn't realize that. It's really a huge number. And there's some thinking that HRT may protect brain mm. health and heart health. So I think it's, it's a tricky balance and, you know, if God forbid I get breast cancer, I'll never know if it was a result of the HRT or not. I'm on a very low dose, but it has really saved me. I sleep well. I feel fine. Oh, good. So I guess I feel like it seems creepy to put off menopause, but maybe I'll change my mind. I I guess for those women that want to have children and that would allow them to have children later in life, I could see the benefit there. Yeah. Um, There's also this, and I forget what his name is, started this, he has this drug about reversing age like by 30 years. And one of my questions is like, at what point do you take that? Like, oh, you want to be younger at 60 or you want to be younger at 50 or 40, or, you know, like it's when we start messing around with what nature, how we're supposed to age and live. Yeah. I don't like the idea of it. I mean, it's one of those things where I suppose if everyone were to start doing it, then we would feel left out and we would want to, (laughs) but I, I think I err more on the side of, you know, I was about to say re, uh, aging gracefully, although I've developed a friend. Well, you know, because we met on that um, clubhouse conversation I was having with Stacey London. Yeah. And we've become friendly and she hates the term aging gracefully. She feels like it's an insult to women that, you know, I don't really hate it. I feel like to me, aging gracefully means like embracing aging and it is what it is. And like, well, you know, we do it the best way we can. And like, I don't feel like I'm... Um, I think we're only, you know, we're held back in some ways by ageism in society for sure. But I think we can decide how we want to experience this part of our lives. And that's really what the community is about. It's about getting information from other women, being armed with knowledge and finding courage and inspiration from other women to, you know, live your best life. Be you. you Inspired for sure. I think this inspiration of possibility. Well, so you start this Facebook and it grows to what was your top like 30,000? I think 32,000 women. And we, I wrote a book called what would Virginia Woolf do? And we started a podcast called raging gracefully. So not aging gracefully, but raging gracefully. I like it. We thought was funny. 
Yeah. And then a couple of years after, well, I guess four years into it, I decided to leave Facebook. I decided this had in fact turned into a business and I was doing And at it. that point, can I ask you at that point, are you selling ads and you have revenue generating revenue from that? Some. So, you know, I sold the book for $75,000. So that was revenue. And then I guess a couple of years into it, I decided, okay, I'm going to really try and turn this into a business. Now, my background had been book publishing, so I didn't know the first thing about internet marketing, websites. I hired an assistant and set about to kind of figure out how to monetize it. So we started trying to find partners to do affiliate, you know, sponsored yeah. content, affiliate sales. We started doing some events. We really played around with a million different ways to make money and we were making some money. We started a small subscription group on Facebook called Wolflandia, which was a hundred dollars a year, I think. So we were bringing in some money, but not enough to even really cover our expenses and not enough that I could say like, this is a business model, this is going to work. And so I finally decided what we really are is essentially a club. It's like a sisterhood. And that if the women wanted it to continue, they were going to have to help pay for it. And I decided we should do a full-on subscription model. And I decided to leave Facebook because I felt like I was kind of on a treadmill for for Facebook. You know, Oh, I was yeah. Like, and it's a lot of maintenance of you oh know, gathering God. content and um, it's oh never God. ending. It was also, well, what happened was as the group grew, we ended up creating all these subgroups. So by the mm -hmm. time we left Facebook, we had 40 groups on Facebook. We had North, you know, the Bay Area, SoCal, Texas. We had all these regional groups. And then we had all these subject groups, parenting, sex, money. And during this time, you're traveling and you're going and meeting these women, correct? Yeah, I drove across country. So I had a breakup. I had a short lived second marriage during this time. And we broke up, I guess, in the fall of 2017. And I ended up driving to California and living um, in Venice for six months, which oh, is really okay. And along the way, I met Wolfers. The women started calling themselves Wolfers completely organically, not through me. And so I met women across country and then I was in LA for six months and met a ton of amazing women. Yeah. Everywhere I travel, I meet women in the community. Like if I go to London or you know, I'll just post and say, I'm going to be in Milan and I'll meet. Oh, Wolf. that's fantastic. Well, I mean, it's got to feel so powerful too, to create this vehicle for women to be heard. Um, you know, without you, there's these women that have a voice that they can't voice. So yeah, you know, it's really been very moving. And I have to say the number one thing women say to me about the community is that it makes them feel normal and less alone. Like it makes them realize, you know, women will post about, I mean, all sorts of things, you know, kids who have to go to wilderness therapy, you know, partners with erectile dysfunction, you know, caretaking of older parents, like whatever they're going through. And then they realize like, oh, there are other really smart, interesting, resourceful women who have gone through the exact same thing right. and like great advice and they just don't feel alone. And right. so the whole idea of eradicating shame around aging, embracing the fact that everything we're going through is normal, that everyone's gone through it before, that we can do it better with each other, with knowledge. That's really the idea. And I think also giving older women the chance to share their experience and feel valued for what they've gone through for that younger intergenerational Huge. conversation. For me, I mean, it's been incredible how much I've gotten out of the older women in the group. Like I was 46 when I started it. And at the time, all these older women in their fifties and sixties said, you know, I was hearing all this advice, like you'll feel better when you get to the other side of menopause 
or like when I broke up with my second husband who was an alcoholic and mm. kind of abusive and all these women had been through it. Like there are a lot of things about alcoholism that are completely universal and right. I had no idea. So yeah, they told me I would feel better in my fifties and they're right. Now that I'm on HRT and I'm 51, I haven't had a period in almost three years. Like I feel great. All that kind of stuff that was going on in my forties is like a distant memory. And so I get a lot out of it. And I, so I understand, you know, myself, why other women are drawn to it. Like it's very useful. So what's your age 40 to, do you have 80 year olds in to be a member? You have to be a woman over 40. Um, and yeah, we have not a lot of women in their eighties, but we definitely have a few and presumably we'll have more because we have a lot of women in their seventies. Yeah. <laughs> um, we love having the older perspective. And then we also, one of the things as a business I have to kind of keep in mind is how to keep getting younger women in right? Because as I age, I, I don't want our demographic to kind of just keep aging. We right. want to keep women in. And sometimes we think as a business, you know, will we eventually become a brand that's a little more inclusive to all women with kind of a portal for mm. older women? I don't really know. I mean, that comes up like when we're talking about partnerships or investors, because, you know, if you talk to a place like Bumble, say, or like a dating app, they're for all women, and we limit ourselves slightly by being for women over 40, but that is really who we're talking to. So I don't know, all things to be figured out over time. So how you've moved now to a platform, a paid platform membership, mm -hmm. and how is that going? So that was a pivot. How long ago? Uh, a year and a half ago, we built okay. an app with a company called Top Fan. It's kind of a white label box, basically. They have lots and lots of clients, and then you kind of adapt it. So now we have a platform called The Wolfer, thewolfer.com, Wolfer with two O's. And it's um, it's a website with lots and lots of free content. But in order to access the community part, which really operates like Facebook, there's a membership page, and it's $35 a year which includes everything. So once you're a member, you can go to any of our events. We have lots and lots of events. So you have fantastic events. I mean, let's go over some of those. I mean, book, um, you're talking to authors, you have Wolfer TV, you have podcasts. Can you just tell our listeners more about what that yeah, membership sure. includes? Yeah, we have, um, so we have regular Zoom events, for example, on Monday nights, there's a Monday night sex chat where women just sign up and come. So about 30 to 40 women every week on Monday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And we talk about sex. Last night's subject was um, we were revisiting the rules, you know, the classic dating rules. One week we'll talk about flirting. One week we'll talk about anal sex. One week we'll And the idea is kind of there's a subject and sometimes there's an expert but it's meant to be a place that's very casual. So women can bring up whatever is concerning them. And who runs that group? I run that one. Okay. I've become the local sex expert. <laughs> Good for you. Have, I Wolfers. need to call you. <laughs> and we have Wolfers, like there's a woman named Jillian Stern who runs a once a month crafting night. We have mm -hmm. book club. I do the, I do the book club. Uh, Tulani, one of our admin team runs the erotic book club. I run something called Unlearning Racism with my colleague, Sherry Brennan, where once a week we talk about um, this week was affirmative action. The week before that was reparation. So we have the whole schedule. On Sundays, I run a reflective writing group where we talk about, um, we read a poem and we do a bit of reflective writing. It's a really, it's a little bit like church for a few of us who do that every week. So we have those kind of wolfer events that are often in response to the community needs. Like next week, we're doing one on wolfers who are interested in real estate investing. And we're getting four or five wolfers who have experienced real estate investing. We'll just talk about that process. And um, 
So we really do it depending on kind of what's coming up. Someone asked for an event on Bitcoin recently. Mm. Create, I reached so it's out. really that. driven by the membership. It's really driven by the membership. And then we do Zooms where it's a group conversation. And then we do Wolf for interviews. And like I just did an interview with you, which was part of a Wolf for expert series on Wolf for TV. I interview a lot of authors because I know that world from my book publishing days. And it's not just me. It's... Um, there's a woman named Tulani Bridgewater who's on our admin team. She does a fair amount of interviews. Hillary Richard, who's the co-host of um, Raging Gracefully, she she does interviews. So basically, anyone I think is interesting, and we want to highlight whether it's a woman in our community or just a woman, an interesting woman, or whether it's a doctor. You know, a, a good typical Wolfer interview would be a cardiologist on women's heart health, or a pelvic floor specialist, or you know, a dermatologist on Botox. So, so we have interviews that we run um, live and then get stored in our website. We have group Zoom kind of meetups. We have in real life meetups, which of course we're going to start to go back to. Um, we're going to so do. Do you a- have locations across the nation then for these in person? We do. We've typically only had live events in New York and LA. And I do hope as we grow that we'll do more. I mean, women get together informally, certainly in other places, you know, there'll be a wolf or get together in Texas or in Chicago, but in terms of ones that we run, it tends to be New York and LA. And I, and I hope to grow the regional part of the business eventually over time. Um, but else? I love that the fact that women that are members are, and I, I don't know if it's a process or that they come ready to host, but I know that power that you're giving women to think about being a host or bringing oh, something yeah. they're super passionate about to a platform for other women and to share is really a gift to somebody. I really love it. Like a woman will write to me and she'll say like, I'm a member and I live in Texas and I'm a Zumba instructor and I'd like to offer a free, oh yeah, we have a, we have a really cool series that's working pretty well on Fridays right now. We have a lunch and learn um, Zoom series at noon. So like a woman will come and say, I'm an expert in X and we'll just give her a slot on Fridays and then people can come in the room. So I never go to the Friday lunch and learns. They're completely run by Wolfers on a real variety of experts, like British documentaries or, you know, subjects. But then someone will come to me like the Zumba woman and she'll say, I want to teach a class and we'll schedule her. She'll do a Saturday morning Zumba class on Zoom for everyone for free. So yeah, there's a lot of there's stuff I go and look for and bring in. And then there's a lot of user generated content that we just kind of organize. But it's a constant, it's a lot of work on your part. Um, it's constantly. <laughs> it's like, I'm a little, you know, it's like, I'm an editor. I'm a cruise director, <laughs> a little bit of a coach. I mean, I'm a friend to so many of these women I'm a website, you know, editor. Yeah. It's all sorts of things. I mean, and it's an interesting, it's interesting to be in my fifties and realize that I've created something that really is a funny coming together of all of my interests, right? It's like book publishing, narrative medicine, end of life care. It's a lot of loss. I've been divorced twice. I'm really interested in kind of how women navigate loss. But isn't that interesting? I feel like my journey too. I someone yeah. described it to me as a puzzle. I had an interview years ago and she said, you know, I feel like my life is a puzzle and all the pieces are there, but they're not quite connected. And now I feel like, oh, they all the things I've done really yeah. are for what I'm doing now. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's, it is similar for you, right? It's like the styling and the women's bodies and the I mean, it's fascinating actually. It's it's a good lesson in 
really, you know, I feel like it's a trope and it's a little bit, it can be a trap, but the whole kind of following your passion, listening to your passion, you know, I feel like it's hard to say, you know, find your passion. A lot of people don't. Oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming. But on the other hand, I do feel like this has been the most organic business experience of my life and completely unexpected and completely because I followed what was interesting to me and what I wanted to do. But I think Um, you're also right. You're aware of what kind of the universe is serving up to you. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to say, oh, I'm worthy of that. Yeah. Yeah. And say, oh, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to ask for help. And I think as we age, we can either rise up into that or we can say, okay, I've done all I'm supposed to do. So hearing your story and others like your, you is super empowering to other women to, to kind of get out of their own way in a way. Yeah. I remember I used to read, remember more magazine used yeah. to have a lot of stories about of reinvention and I was young in my late thirties and early forties. I think I felt much more freaked out about like, what was, what was my future and like, what was I still going to prove? And I remember reading those articles and thinking, how do they do that? And now I'm in my fifties and I've created some, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. You have to trust yourself and kind of lean in. I did a similar thing with an Oprah magazine. There was this, what's your passion. And this is probably 15 years ago. I took this quiz and it was really concentrating on as a kid, what did you think about and what did you dream about? And mm-hmm. really kind of going back to that voice and again, t- looking at what you've done and how does that come together, but not trying to figure it out, you know, not being overwhelmed with what it could be is just kind yeah. of focusing in what you can do right now. Yeah. So kind of pivoting to that. So you have the website now. And what's, what's happening. So you're looking for investors. You're looking. Well, yeah, we're kind of, I mean, basically I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to grow it. And I'm a little stymied by the fact that I love, I have a lot of freedom right now and I can afford, uh, we're making enough money. I'm not getting paid myself, but at least I'm covering my expenses more or less. And I really like controlling my environment the way I do. So on one hand, I want to find investors and I want to grow. And on the other hand, I'm only willing to give up so much of the life I have right now. So it has to really be the right situation. I would say in a perfect world, what I think right now is there are a lot of women our age doing really interesting things in this space that didn't exist five years ago. The menopause space, you know, there are articles in Forbes and Fortune. It's a $600 billion industry. Femtech is growing. It seems like there's a lot of opportunity right now. I think there are a lot of women doing interesting things and none of us are really succeeding yet. No one's really making any money right. or has really established. So I think that the way to do it would be for a bunch of people to band together. I don't quite know how that's going to happen yet. You know, it's content, community, merchandise. Connections. Know, connection. Should telemed be a part of that? Because telemed yeah. for menopause, I think, has real potential. So I think it's yet to happen where there is really one big destination for menopausal women. And of course, there will always be many players. It's not like we only need one destination, but I think there should and could be one bigger destination that really addresses us. I hope the Wolfer is a part of that. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I was just, I had a conversation with Pop Sugar last mm-hmm. week. Are you familiar with? Yeah. And she said the VCs right now are really looking at the menopause. Yeah. So it's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, why you started your journey. So I think your idea yeah. of being a big collaborative with 
some good thought leaders. I'd love to be part of that down the road. Yeah, so. no, I think it would be amazing. And, I, and there's so many interesting women. Like, I don't know if you know the women who run Fancy. Katie and Erica are these two women who have an advertising agency called Fancy in New York. And like, they're just lots of women doing great things. So I would like to find a way to. Yeah. Pull us all together. Pull for us the all woman together. to do it. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, the, the, message I'd love for our listeners to realize is that you started this all out of a personal journey in your health that you wanted to share with other people. You are a writer and you do. Um, I love the way that you present material and talk. And so I think you, you did it from personal, but now it's grown into this brand and this company and it's pivoted this last year and a half. So I think kind of for people that have a personal journey that they can share or put out in the world. It's kind of amazing what can happen. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I do feel it's really empowered me, the community and the whole process. Like it has made me realize, yeah, there's an amazing thing about getting older. There are so many ways in which, I mean, we have so much wisdom, like we're, we're really powerful. And I think community seeing yourself reflected back is very powerful and, and encouraging. So like the word empowerment's a little cheesy, but I think it's true. <laughs> you know, seeing what you're doing is empowering to me. Like it's, it's what we talked about earlier about modeling and representation and, you know, what you're doing is so important because women need to see older women represented out there. Right. It's, you know, it's inspiring. Right. Um, I like to say you can't be what you don't see. Can't be what you don't see is a great way of putting it. Yeah. Really way of putting it. Yeah. So let's talk about midlife and your background. So your mom, I don't want the podcast to be all about your mom, but your mom is a very strong, powerful figure. She wasn't in your life for very long, unfortunately, because she passed away from breast cancer. But I read and love that you got her Losing Ground movie made. You got some of her works published. So can you just kind of, you know, and how was she a force for you as you age, also as a mother? I know that she was an actress. So did that change how you mothered and, or, or was it, you know, what, what, how did she play a role in your life? So my mom was a black film filmmaker, playwright, writer. Her name is Kathleen Collins, Kathleen with a K. And she was a really strong, interesting character. She grew up in Jersey city. She was born in 42. Um, She was kind of a kind of came from a black middle-class bourgeois family. Her father was an undertaker. She went to Skidmore, which was an all-women's college then. She was the first black woman to graduate from Skidmore. So she grew up kind of black middle-class, was probably expected to become a teacher. She got involved in the civil rights movement, spent some time down south working for SNCC, and then went to Paris to get a master's degree in French literature. And there met my father, my white father, who was a kind of artsy intellectual who'd gone to Berkeley. and. Um, Together, they started making movies. She started studying with surrealists and making movies. And they split up five or six years later after having me when I was a baby. But my mom went on to become a film editor and eventually a professor of film and then a filmmaker and a playwright. And she died. That is um, an incredible journey for a woman, let alone a black woman in that time period. Yeah. Yeah. That in and of itself is all pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
and she was she died relatively unknown so she was kind of known in the world of black intellectuals she had had a couple plays produced in small venues but she'd never been published as a writer and she had never had um she made two movies by the time she died but neither had been released they were both kind of arty intellectual films and at the time she was told like these aren't real black people like you're making films about like we don't even recognize these characters and she died in 1988 she made her films in 81 and 82 one is called losing ground the feature and the other is a short called the cruise brothers and miss malloy and as i said i was 19 when she died i had a younger brother who was 15 and i became his guardian and it was all super traumatic and for about 20 years didn't do anything with her work. I carried it around in this trunk of, um, I collected kind of all of her letters and all of her writing after she died. I had a evil stepfather who she'd married right before she died, who I did not get along with. And I basically took all this stuff of hers and left the house and kind of never looked back. And every time I tried to like open the trunk to read and look at her letters or her journals, it made me cry. It had been, it was a big trauma for me, her loss. Um, she was like my only real parent. Anyway, in my late 30s, I went through a difficult divorce, the father of my four kids, and really went through a real low. I was kind of violent and angry and having affairs. I was really a wreck. And I decided that I needed to look back and like understand my mother's life a mm. little bit, kind of understand my own. And so I dug out this trunk from the basement and I started reading her work. And fast forward, I mean, this was, that was a little over 10 years ago. I ended up getting Losing Ground remastered and signed up with a, a distribution company called Milestone Films, thinking I was really just doing it for my own family. Basically, it was an old VHS, you know, DVD, old VHS tape, and I had it remastered, thinking I was preserving it for my own family. And we ended up getting invited. The film was invited to a film festival at Lincoln Center, ended up getting a rave review in The New Yorker, front page review in The Times. Wow. Thing. Yeah, I mean, she, it's a really cool... You know, it's like a Van Gogh story, like an artist who dies and her work is not known. And then suddenly, yeah. not that what she's What a tribute dead, you gave your mom. I mean, what a wonderful this, thing to do for her. It's really amazing. So the film ended up being really well received. And then I ended up selling a collection of stories that she had literally written in the late 60s, early 70s and stuck in a drawer called Whatever Happened to Interracial Love. And they ended up getting blurbed by Zee Smith and Miranda July. And it was like a big success. And then I published a second book called Notes from a Black Woman's Diary, which is a kind of a collection of various pieces of her work, screenplays, journals, etc. So yeah, and then Issa Rae options an early screenplay that she wrote in like 1974. We'll see if that ever gets Oh my God, we were just watching Insecure and mm. I said, I need to meet Issa Rae. She's like the best joy that I think is out in the world right she's now. She's pretty cool for sure. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's a good energy. What? How that's so exciting. And I know you've talked about writing another book. Are you writing another book? You know, I wrote another, I wrote a memoir about my mom and my childhood that I then tried briefly to sell and didn't sell. And I don't know if I ever will. I kind of put it away and decided it was really helpful for me to write. It's very personal and quite dark. And mm. maybe it's better if it just never gets published. I, I, don't, I don't really, it's funny. It was very important to me for a long time, this book. I kept starting it and 
giving up and going back. And it took me like 10 years to write it. And now I feel kind of distant from it. I feel like it really helped me. And I'm not sure I ever really need, you know, partly because I come from book publishing professionally. I'm a little cynical about the business. It's not the most satisfying business, honestly. I like the Virginia Woolf book I wrote. So I don't know. I don't have any real need to write more. We'll see. And so what's next for you? Do you have... I mean, I hope, I hope I can grow. I hope I can find the right solution to growing the wolfer. I think it's important what we've created. I want to see it continue and bring in more women. I want to be able to do more things that interest me professionally. I'd like to, I really like interviewing people. I like creating content. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm, I feel fairly relaxed about it. Like I'm 51 years old. My kids are gone. Yeah, I was going to ask you, any kids at home anymore? No, I have four kids and one still in college, but the others are all either two or finishing graduate school next year. So I feel on the tail end of that kind of financial responsibility. And I feel, you know, I feel quite free. And I also am like naturally entrepreneurial. So I kind of feel like if I'm not doing this, I'll do something else. But I I do love this. So I hope I can make it work. I I would like for it to make money because then I would feel like it's really a business. Sometimes I still feel like a little bit of a dilettante, like running this thing. Yeah. I love, but it's not really doing enough. I know. I feel that too. And I'll have people say, well, how do you monetize it? How do you make money? And I said, I know it's going to make money. I know I'm in the right place, the right time. I just have to kind of stick with it. So, yeah. I mean, I think what you're doing will make money. I really do. I think, I mean, I'm sure it's hard becoming a modeling agent out of nowhere. <laughs> sounds super hard, but it's a solid idea. And I think the time is right for it. So yeah. I, I, well, I think the time is right for you with the Wolfer and your interviewing skills are tremendous. So I'd love to see you do a, your own podcast. Are you doing any of the podcasts right now? So actually, so Hillary and I created Raging Gracefully together and it's, it was really, really fun. But then with the pandemic, the, the structure of our early podcast is um, two of us as interviewers with um, like a, a subject we're interviewing and then people's voices. It was a lot to produce. So yeah. now during the pandemic, we just take the Wolfer TV interviews we do and turn them into Raging Gracefully episodes. So like my interview with you will go out as a podcast. Got it. Yeah. Well, and what's, did you envision any of this when you started your little Facebook group? None, none remotely. And nor did I could ever have envisioned how many friends I'd make through it. Like, you know, sometimes I think about, should I shut it down? It's not making any money. And my whole life is about the Wolfer and the women I talk to and know now. So yeah. no, never could have imagined it. Well, I love that you pivoted and you're, you know, hopefully this revenue generating model will be more, you know, we'll be successful down the road. But I just love that you, this opportunity you're giving to women to voice what's happening for them and yeah. for other women to find information and normalize what's happening for them too. It's super powerful. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's really nice to talk to you. It's fun. So thank you for being here today and tell people how they can find you and how they can be part of the Wolfer. Okay, so the Wolfer community is www.thewolfer.com. And you want to go to the membership page. It's 
$35 a year. I promise you it's very well worth it. <laughs> um, you create a profile just like you do on Facebook. You create a profile page and you start following posts and interacting with people and come to some of our Zooms. We have two newsletters a week. There's an events mailer on Thursdays and a regular newsletter on Sundays. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, The Wolfer, or find me, Nina Lorez Collins. And I'm on Facebook and I have a page, you know, a page on Facebook as well as my personal page. So I'm pretty easy to find. And anyone should feel free to reach out to me individually. Members do all the time. I welcome it. And yeah, that's it. Well, and Raising Gracefully is our podcast you can find wherever you find podcasts. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. And it's been great furthering our conversation. And I'm sure yeah. we'll have more conversations. And have a fantastic day and be well. All right. Really appreciate it. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com, where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening.